You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and Ola. I am Spud Goodman. And that's important. Thanks for checking out another episode of Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. On this one, we're going to take a look at the pre-interview episode, number 78, aired in June of 2015, I believe. It features actor-comedian T.J. Miller and actress-comedian Whitney Cummings, along with uh, musical guest The Spider Ferns. It was a fine little episode, but, but as we take another look at it, now I'm pretty sure that there were opportunities you know, to take the conversations in a different direction or, or maybe voice a contrasting opinion when the opportunity arose. You see, that's, that's the beauty of being one of those Monday morning quarterbacks on this podcast. You know, I get the chance to go back and, and pick something apart, you know, even if it's not even necessary. I, I mean, everyone knows someone who really enjoys this activity, and, and I just happen to be one of those people. Before we get started, let, let me introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Go ahead and give us a, a quick chuckle or something. Okay. Um, well, hopefully this will work for you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll do. Uh, and, now I'm, yeah, and now I'm supposed to formally introduce our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Okay, you're, you're up now, so don't screw up uh, your window to shine here. You, you know, uh, eh, just, just don't say something dumb that will make you know the people exit the podcast before we even get rolling. Go ahead. You can speak now. Uh, right now? <clears throat> yeah. O- okay. Okay, then. My name is Gerald Holcomb, and I... I, I, I already right- said your name. Oh, uh, right. O- okay, yeah, but I will be uh, right by Spud's side as we go inside the Spud Goodman Show uh, this episode. And I believe this one was titled the pre-interview episode. And it yeah, is... Yeah, I, I already said the title of the episode. Yeah, um, we're doing on this uh, autopsy thing, you know, that we do. Um, so can, can, can you say something that's not redundant? Uh, well, sure. Yeah, sure I can. Um I would like to take this time to express how excited I am to be. Hey, don't, don't don't get too excited. It's, it's well, probably best I bring on our show's intern, Chance, as he is less prone to get too excited. I didn't get a uh, chance. Go ahead, Chance. Take take a moment and say hello to our listeners if if you want. Yeah, right now I'm not feeling it. Maybe in a few minutes I'll be up for saying something. Oh, Chance, really? this is your time to display to everyone how articulate and also forward thinking you are i myself am so impressed with your mental faculties and and i know the listeners would love to hear from you about things that impact their everyday lives go ahead honey and share some of your thoughts um can i wait a bit i haven't got any thoughts in my mind ready to go right now Ah, okay, sweetie. No worries. When you feel up to it, though, just jump into the conversation. Uh, Not just any time during this podcast. I mean, hopefully it won't be at an intense moment of discussion and and it causes me to lose focus. That would not be a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, I really can't predict when my mind will create something that I feel must be shared with the world. I really can't control that. Oh, and and I don't think it would be healthy for you to put controls on your most inner thoughts. You just have to let them loose on everybody. Um, uh, p- please don't let them loose right now, as we need to play the first part of the pre-interview episode right now. As I remember it, our executive producer, Lori, sent out a directive that we, you know, pre-interview guests, you know, like the big time talk shows do, uh, when guests pretend that, you know, what they're being asked is a surprise by the host, but actually they've already answered the damn question, rec- reciting it to some show staff member before they go on. Yeah. Yeah, a, a pretty lame practice in my mind. That's what I'm getting at here. And I, I wasn't happy about this new order for management. Uh, Dave, roll it. I really can't argue with that. So okay. I'm going to move on. And I'm going to say this. I am doing tonight's show under official protest, given our esteemed executive producer's recent edict about pre-interviews for oh. all guests. Mm-hmm. That is so George R. Wellington. Uh, I, I think it's Orwell. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. Well, you said Orwellington. Um. 
Is Orwell somewhere in what I said? Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, okay, fine. Then we're going to round up, and I'd say I got it right. All right. Anyway, as I was saying, you you know, before you interrupted, this new order that we got from her is ridiculous. I mean, what good is a pre-interview before I speak to a celebrity guest? It's a total waste of time. Well, Spud, all major talk shows do pre-interviews with celebrity guests. It's standard operating procedure. (laughs) Do you really think David Letterman during his career or Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel now ask questions that have not been thoroughly vetted by multiple staff members? Guests represent often demand pre-interviews is that's what major guests who wants to be blindsided by something that's not been run by them prior to being asked listen listen pre-interviews are like shoot arounds now in the nba after they started doing them then college high school and even ymca teams thought they had to do them too before each game it's the copycat phenomenon Hmm. and i know for a fact that the old school shows did not do pre-interviews steve allen or jack parr never had their staff ask guest questions before they came on their show Like celebrity guests can't answer questions without cheating? Well, I think you're mistaken on that. I googled pre-interviews and I learned it's been a common practice for thousands of years. It dates back to biblical times. Gerald, pre-interviews have been around for years. And sure, off-the-cuff questions could elicit a few jeers. But it's only a talk show, so lighten up on all your fears. Well, you know, I don't believe that. What proof do you have? I just told you, I read it on the internet. So, so, who, so who's going to ask our celebrity guests my questions in advance if I even agree to do this? Well, the memo said that the interns will be handling it. So they'll be calling our guests up like the day before and they'll run your questions by them. Okay, I love our interns. Yeah. They are the best and brightest of their generation. Yes. But if I was a celebrity guest and I got a call from, say, Trent over there asking me what my most memorable moment was, I would be highly offended. Really? Is that something that you save and share with... Only the very special people in your life. And, of course, an actual talk show host. Anyway, can, can we talk about this later? Because right now I have to play some music. All right, here is... I feel the need to speak now. This episode sounds kind of boring. It's a good thing I wasn't working on the show back then. I think I was just getting out of middle school back in 2015. I sure wouldn't have agreed to do any pre-interviews with guests. Who cares what celebrities have to say? I've never understood why there are just so many talk shows on TV and the radio. I like to watch movies and TV shows that celebrities star in, but when I hear them talk in real life, it kind of bums me out. It's very disappointing. Well, doing a talk show has been pretty good to me over the years, so I don't agree. I I like talking to famous people. I I just don't ever, you know, want to do the sloppy seconds thing. You know, re-asking a question uh, the guests have already answered to someone. I I prefer to go first and surprise, you know, I guess with a probing, insightful question myself. But that's just not how it works in the big time, Spud. You were told by our executive producer, Lori, that changing your way of doing things could have really helped out the show, and you just turned up your nose at this wise suggestion. Oh, he's always had an issue with authority figures, Gerald. I know. Why are you surprised? Not, not all authority figures, Aunt Dorothy. I mean, I'm very respectful to my mailman, you know, as, as a government, em- well, he's a government employee and I always say thank you when he drops off my mail, even, even when it's mostly bills and junk mail. Oh, brother. Well, yeah. But anyway, let's move on to my interview with comedian and actor TJ Miller. This was TJ's first time on our show and, and he called in. He was in like Brussels. Uh, I, I think that's in Europe somewhere. Yeah. Uh, hey, let me take a look here at my nifty flip phone, and I will Google where that's at. He, he called in while driving his car around the city there. Uh, I think his wife was in the car with him, too. And and, and I know where Brussels is at. I, I just kind of forgot for a moment here. You know, this was a few years ago. Just just give me a second to think. No need, need to look it up. No, all right? Just um, uh, Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's, either, it's either Austria or Belgium. Uh, my phone just went dead, and I couldn't read the answer very well before it went black. Oh, of course it's. Brussels, it's the capital of Belgium. Oh, geez, you guys. Brussels. I knew the correct answer, but I didn't want to show up, Spud. He gets kind of cranky when younger, more agile, brain-wise individuals go head-to-head with him. Oh, really? Not saying he's already experiencing dementia, but 
the facts are clear. He's slowing down a bit, you could say. Uh, listen, Mr. Impudent Generation Zier, I am not displaying any signs of early onset dementia, okay? I didn't say early onset. I mean, you are past that threshold, don't you think? Oh, honey, no need to poke the bear. Nothing good will come of it. All right, Dorothy. Yeah, uh, let's just run my conversation with TJ now, please. Please say hello to actor, writer, comedian, T.J. Miller. Welcome to the show, all right? Professional clown, weird, marijuana, drug enthusiast-looking, toddler-bodied man. Hello! Yeah. Uh, How are you? Yeah, welcome to the Spud Goodman Show. Um, Hey, everybody in the studio tonight are big fans of your show, Silicon Valley, on HBO. Great series. Got to throw that out. Thank you. Yes, everybody, if you guys... If everybody in the studio is a big fan of mine, then everybody in the studio has low standards. That's for sure. All right. All right. Super. Well, you're going to be appearing (laughs) at the Royal Oaks Music Theater in the greater Detroit area on June 25th at 8 p.m. Tickets are still available. I want to put that out right away before we get going here. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, if you you like me in Silicon Valley and you haven't seen my stand-up, go online and check it out because I've been a stand-up comic a lot longer and I've been uh, acting as a medium of comedy. All right, super. Um, it sounds like you're calling from a long ways away. Where are you at right now? Yeah, well, I, so I, <laughs> I'm in I'm in Belgium, uh, oh. which is a common place for people to call into your show. That's not in America, right? That's not in America. That's for a fact. I don't I don't think. Yeah, it's it's in Europe, but that's okay. okay. I mean, right. you know, you can if it helps you, just think of it as. Uh, as New Orleans. All right, I got, know, it, got it. It's got some French influence. Super. And uh, yes, I'm in Belgium with my father-in-law, my wife, and he studied in Louvain, which is a small city outside of Belgium. So we went back to see his old haunt. He was here 50 years ago. Wow. Cool. And so that's been quite a trip. And you know, they boy, the waffles, bud. I mean, they don't call them Belgian waffles for for nothing. They are waffles, and I, I bought them in Belgium, and they're pretty good. Maybe you They're could bring great. back a few in a doggy bag and maybe FedEx them when you get back over here. Just a thought, but to me, to me. But let me move on here. Uh, hey, you know, we, we're, I want this known that we're doing this interview without a pre-interview, which uh, my executive producer thinks we need to, like, uh, imitate all the big-time talk shows and, and do the pre-er. So, uh, you, you know, you're, you're – let me just ask you this. You're doing okay right now, right? I'm doing okay, yeah, and I see, I've, I've heard your show before, so I think a pre-interview isn't necessary. Though every show sounds a little like a pre-interview. All right, um, all right. yes, I am doing, I'm doing great, Super. and I actually, um, uh, you know, I, I just wrapped this uh, HBO pilot for Gore Burger, and if you haven't Gore-Burger. seen that, it's right. on the internet, and it's very, very bizarre. It's a giant blue alien from another planet that takes over a Japanese morning show and kills half of the staff and keeps the rest of the crew to have his own show, the Gore Burger Show. And oh. I'm the voice of Gore Burger. He's actually a life-size animatronic puppet that I control his face and somebody else is inside of it. And uh, just Google it, G-O-R-B-U-R-G-E-R. And uh, it's it a trip. It's very, very weird. Super. All right. We like that. So that's... Yeah, so that's been going good. And then, uh, you know, stand-up, obviously, I'm on the Meticulously Ridiculous Tour, which is primarily the name of the tour is so that people have a tough time saying it. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, that's, you know, stand-up is in many ways my first love. And Silicon Valley Season 3 starts in September. So, you know, that's very, very exciting because people seem to absolutely love the show. Yes. Uh, and yeah, among other things, I'm really pretty busy. Deadpool, I'm in this movie with Ryan Reynolds, a Marvel comic book movie called Deadpool. And uh, I'm doing just a small thing in my good friend Jay Baruchel's, uh sequel to his original film, Goon, mm-hmm. Goon 2. So yeah, it's, it's busy. Things are going great, but... The thing that I love the most about it is they're going great enough for me to be able to tour and, and, and do some stand-up. Right, right. Well, let me hit you with this. According to the internet, and there's no rational reason to doubt information received from such, you're a newlywed, haven't gotten <laughs> married this year. Is that a big adjustment, or did it slip on easily like an old pair of Jordans? It's, it's such, I mean, you know, that's what I call her, actually, is an old pair of tennis shoes. Oh. That's, I've been, that's the nickname I came up with. Uh, yeah, I mean... You can always trust the internet. For instance, I found Absolutely. out that Belgium has the highest 
per capita um, beatings of toddlers to take their Belgian waffles. And that's oh. real. And I know that, and I read it on Wikipedia because I, I, I actually I put it in there. Super. It's an open that's an open source joke. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting being married. It doesn't feel any different. I've known her since college, and we dated off and on for twelve years. So I know her very well, and it doesn't feel that much different. It does, uh, you know, it, it's just interesting. It's interesting to have that permanence, you know, where right. you're going, okay, this is it forever. And I think it's really helped her feel like. She can give me a lot more crap in general about everything, and there's not going to be a lot of consequences. And she's right. Wow. So permanence is a good thing. I'm going to write that one down, too. All right. Super. Um, yeah. If you need help spelling it, let me know. All right. Um, hey, as stated previously, you do co-star in one of the best comedies on the air these days, Silicon Valley. You know, headed up by the highly gifted Mike Judge. <laughs> Bud, man. <laughs> so, my question, your yeah. character, Ehrlich Bachman, that you earned a Critics' Choice Best Supporting Actor Award playing, any real-life guy that he was based on? Because you kill in that part. Unfortunately, probably me. Most of the things that I do, because I'm not a very good actor. Hold oh, on one no. second. It's the Belgian police, and they didn't stop for you, which is good, because they stole several waffles and some French fries. Oh. Um, it, it is uh, m- most, because I'm not a great actor, most of my uh, characters are based on, they're just magnifications of certain aspects of me. And, you know, Ehrlich, the character I play in Silicon Valley, is kind of a arrogant blowhard who says whatever he wants. He's abrasive. He's constantly high, chasing women, drinking beer, and uh, will do what it takes to get ahead. I don't know how they figured on me for that, but I guess in some ways I am, I am Ehrlich and Ehrlich is me. Well, it worked, obviously, obviously. Uh, hey, say, Mike, yeah, co- and I mean, I, I, as, as, as far as the, the marijuana thing, it's also, I'm from Denver and I live in California, so I've got a good handle in terms of method acting on that aspect of his personality. Well, that, yeah, that leads me to my next question, by the way. You are a native of Colorado, so what is your reaction to the fact that the lowest rate of obesity in America is in Colorado Springs at 19.6%? Any insight on how this occurred? Maybe super intense PE classes there? What do you think? <laughs> I love that you have that statistic on Colorado Springs. You betcha. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that might change now that marijuana is legal. Yeah, Because that tends to make people get a little bit hungrier. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it has a lot to do with just Denver's such, it's over 300 days of sunshine a year. You've got every kind of outdoor activity, beautiful mountains. So why wouldn't you go outside? You know, why wouldn't you spend most of your time outside? Everybody wants to walk as much as they can. Um, you know, I think I think that's the, the main reason. Spud, ask him about his 2010 movie Yogi the Bear, where he played Ranger Jones. The family loved it. If he wants to talk about the Yogi the Bear movie, he can, but I'm not going to bring it up now. He has so many other projects going on. I love Yogi Bear. The Yogi Yogi the Bear movie was incredible. We bought the DVD, and I must have seen it over a dozen times. You hear me okay? I think Yogi is a highly underrated cartoon figure. I can ask him, but if this thing goes south, it's on you. Hey, excuse my co-host is trying to butt in here. His name's Gerald, and he wants to... Spud. Hey, okay, I'll ask him. He wants to know how your experience uh, doing Yogi the Bear movie... Well, you know, he's heavily into Yogi, I guess, so he just wanted me to run that by you. Was it a good experience? Was it fun? Oh, uh, well, you know, the problem with my whole career is that, you know, Yogi Bear 3 was my... Uh, it's the greatest performance that I've ever had, and so you kind of know that... Um, you know, you sort of know that once you've reached that pinnacle, everything is downhill from there. Uh, but I've I've been able to deal with that. I'm okay. You know, the Critics' Choice Award that was okay, but it's it's basically plateaued. Okay, well, l- let me hit you with this deep research question. And you know, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but it my research says you're quite proficient on a pair of stilts. Now, is that a skill that separates a man from the pack? Has this come in handy? <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what they say about the size of your stilt. You know, it's yeah, uh, yeah. big stilt, big penis. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the things that has always been said in circuses around the world. I am very good at stilts. I studied stilt walking, and although I don't have a pair right now, I still tower above the other stilt walkers in Los Angeles. And I think there's three. Uh, just one second, TJ. That's okay. What do you want now? This is not super important, but I think you're not penetrating the outer wall of TJ. A great interviewer is able to break through, and so far, 
no offense, I feel you could probe much deeper. Um, I'm a talk show host, not a coal miner. There's only so deep I will probe when I interview guests. If you do go for it, you never know what might come back at you. You know, maybe you cause a guest to regress and relive prior unpleasant life memories. It's just a radio show. All right, all right. I, I guess if you prefer mediocrity over breaking new ground in the world of celebrity interviews, then I get it. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, I will if you don't mind. All right, uh, TJ, uh, where was... <coughs> okay, yeah. Uh, you're going to be performing. Let me get this out. You're going to be performing at the Royal Oak Music Theater in the Detroit area on June 25th at 8 p.m. So our listeners on WROM Radio Detroit need to get off the couch and go catch you live and in person. Absolutely. You guys come out there and, you know, I have a full tour all the dates are on my website. TJ Miller does not have a website.com. I'm doing an entire West Coast tour. You know, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, all that stuff. But this Detroit show is definitely going to be great. It's close to my heart. My wife is actually from Ann Arbor, Michigan. So I've, I've spent a lot of time in Michigan. I have a special affinity for it. So, yeah, come on out to the Royal Oak Music Hall. It's great. My wife is actually going to open the show with some singing. She's a singer and a, a painter and all that sort of jazz. So, oh, cool. And there will actually be some jazz. So, yeah, come on out. All right, super. Mr. T.J. Miller. I really, really thank you. And you take care, okay? I want to talk to you first about I recently sat on the plane in between the two worst people in the world. Uh, they were father and daughter, coincidentally. The daughter sounded vaguely like this. Daddy, 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 I need my laptop case. She was like 25, by the way. And then he, she, so she's awful. That was a terrible situation. And then her father had reached a point. Have you ever seen a man who's like, his life is so terrible that he's given up on talking? And he's just grumbling his responses. Like, there's no words or anything. He's just like, Daddy, I need my laptop case also. And he's like, <laughs> He did speak clearly once, though. And that's when I asked if he wanted to switch seats with me. He said, no. But that wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was as we were taking off. It's all true. Uh, we're taking off, like, around the runway. He reached across me. And then she also reached across me. And then they clasped hands over me. And he started counting down from 10. And she started naming all the people that she loved. She was like, love you, Mommy. Love you, Daddy. Love you, Uncle Rick. Love you, Jeremy. Which I don't know who he was, but good for him he made the list. I remember I was a little worried that TJ would get pulled over by those Belgian cops, you know, for for talking on the phone while while driving. It, it could be like a major crime there. I, and I would have felt really guilty if they threw him in prison just because he was talking to me. From what I've read, I think just about anything goes in Brussels. Or was it Amsterdam? I'll check after the show. That would be Amsterdam, sweetie. I visited there many years ago, and it was quite the party location. Just about anything there is just fine. Uh, but don't litter. You know, I don't think I would feel comfortable in either Brussels or Amsterdam. My wife and I have never traveled outside of this country. I, I just wouldn't feel comfortable. You know, there might be a few countries out there that you and your fellow Trump MAGA heads would do okay in, like, say, North Korea or Saudi Arabia. But let's just move on to my interview with the musical guest on that episode, the Spider Ferns. I believe this was their first appearance on our show, too. Dave Rowling. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Uh, welcome the Spider Ferns, Kelly and Alton Fleek, to the Spud Goodman Show. And have I mentioned I love referring to myself in the third person saying the Spud Goodman Show? And it's really my only perk of doing this thing. So thank you for driving down to play some music and giving me the opportunity to say the Spud Goodman Show. That is messed up, yo. We're happy to be here, man. Thank super, you. super. Um, and I love that reverb, too. Kind of gives you this godly kind <laughs> of thing. It's pretty wicked. I, I don't know where that came from, really? really, but there it is. All right, well, you two are rumored to make your music late at night in a converted barn out in the woods. Does that ever get scary with the owls and bats? Uh, no, uh, we like I had a run-in with a, with a cougar <laughs> once, but that was kind of scary. But How old was she? <laughs> <laughs> All, right. Uh, All right, then. Um, so uh, what is the band's take on the Fed's possibly raising interest rates this fall? A, necess you know, a necessary step to contain inflation or possibly a job killer? 
I think it's a job killer for sure. All Keep right. those in written I'm with rates you. down. I'm with you. People right. need to buy houses and stuff. So. All right. Um, well, let me touch on this. I, I have to really because you guys are married and, and, and yeah. you're in a band, and so that presents a lot of together time. It, it obviously <laughs> works for you guys, but do you re- recommend this to other couples? You know, because maybe I should have tried it with a few of my ex ex wives. You know, I don't play an instrument, and neither did any of them. But maybe we should have learned something, learned an instrument or something. Um, you just uh, have to move to six acres so you can walk away from each other sometimes. Oh, so six acres it's is a, the key. You have to have space. <laughs> I'd okay, say everybody four. has their own dynamics bed, so I think you have to make that call for yourself. I also sometimes so. lock myself in my art studio, whatever works. Okay, so when you hmm. walk away, a good that's a good four or five acres. <laughs> that sixth one is, okay, when everything comes back together. All right, got that's it. Right, right. That's All right, well, uh, what's the name of the first song you're going to do? Uh, it's called Safety. It's a brand new song. Very cool. Let's do it. Did you work it all out slowly? And when the wind blew, did you change your direction? Would it matter anyway if the whole world knew? You know, both Alton and Kelly are state-of-the-art people. I got to say that. I always enjoyed having them on the show. 
Well, well, next up is another phone-in segment with my late mother, Safola. Yeah, she always had a way of taking over my show and putting the spotlight on herself. Uh, she was very skilled at that. But I gotta say, I really, really miss it these days, as, as much as I complained about it back then. Dave, Dave, run it now. Hey, uh, Spud, your mom is on the phone. Okay, all right, put her on. I'll make it quick. Spud, am I on? Uh, yes, you are, Mrs. Goodman. I don't want to talk to you, whatever your name is. Okay. Is my son there? The baby I almost died giving birth to? Um, yeah, Mom, I'm here. And do you think you could maybe drop that line about almost dying giving birth Cause to me? Because no one really cares. I had a difficult birth. Everyone has their own burdens, you know, that they have to overcome. And, and for the record, and this is maybe the 10th time at least I've put this out there, Dad told me you went with the cesarean option and your health was never in danger. He said you, you were out of the hospital the next day. That was because your father was once again between jobs at the time, and we had no health insurance. We snuck you out, wrapped in a cardboard box, so no one would stop us. It cost, I think, $60 a day in the hospital back then, and we figured after your sister, we knew the basics about babies, so why waste the money? And it was a rough cesarean. You ate a ton of birth, so it was no cakewalk. Hey, Mrs. Goodman, I, too, was a big baby. I I think I was 11 pounds, 4 ounces. My mom still says I was like giving birth to a double-wide mobile home. But could you tell this weasel to not talk when I'm on the phone talking to you? I get it, but he is the temporary co-host. He's allowed to get in a word here and there. There's not much I can do about it. That's (laughs) it. It's temporary, permanent co-host. Whatever. So, Spud, have you met any single ladies or maybe separated women lately? You never tell me anything about your love life. Uh, I have to scan your Facebook page to find out what's going on. No, nothing serious at this time, Mom, okay? Well, you aren't getting any younger, and very soon you will need someone to help you with putting on your pajamas and getting in and out of the bathtub. And can I say something about the type of women you seem to be pursuing? I mean, they all seem more suited for that rabbit ranch. The bunny ranch, Mom? You're going to use that one again? That's very disrespectful to the past women in my life. Not all of them have fit that description. Like Tina? Mom, she was a former nun. Or she would have been if she hadn't quit like a month before she was to have graduated or whatever they call it. Hey, you you know, regarding the need for assisted living in the future, both my wife and I have long-term care insurance. So when it's time to think about nursing care, we'll have everything covered. Have you tried dropping by Chuck E. Cheese lately, like I suggested? No, not yet. There are so many women in between male companionships there, hmm. alone, trying to hurt their little ones through the ordeal of a few hours there. Most well, of them are so frazzled and overwhelmed, yeah. you would have no problem striking up a conversation with maybe the next future Mrs. Goodman. Well, Ma, I've already met... At least three potential, the next Mrs. Spud Goodman's in the last year or so, and you didn't like any of them. You know, you're really rough on the women in my life, hypercritical. I just want the best for you. But yes, it's clear, I need to lower my expectations. Yeah, you think? Right now, I would sign off on just about anybody. Okay, maybe not some gal who's in that tea party or someone who eats human flesh, one of those cannonballers. Yeah, you know, Mrs. Goodman, cannibalism is against the law. You don't see it much these days in this country. You know, you had the Donner Party and then Jeffrey Dahmer. That's about it. Um, Mom, uh, it's good to know about your, you know, you are lowering the, the you know, I like, I like where you're going on this. And But I think any of the women I date could meet that standard, so... Let you know. I'm gonna get back to you. I might. There's somebody I do want you to meet, but right now I gotta get back to the show. I'm gonna call you this weekend and see if you need anything. All right. Love you. Uh, I love you, Spud, and and I do need you to take my empty beer bottles to the recycling center. There's enough for us to maybe go out to lunch on. Okay. Well, that's fine. All right. Bye. 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 Bye, Mrs. Goodman. Okay. For you know, before we get going here, I just want to say this. As you know, Aunt Dorothy, my mom could drink beer with the best of them. Some weeks, I had to borrow an extra recycling bin from a neighbor of hers to get all of her empty bottles in. Oh, yes, she did love her beer. I drank beer with my friends. I liked beer. I still like beer. Well, I've always felt that beer was the gateway to that PCP drug that all of our wayward youth are experimenting with. You know, nothing good can come from a bottle of beer. 
I would disagree, but why waste my time, man? Next up is more of our conversation about that order for management to do these those lame ass pre-interviews. And I also, I think our very talented in-house musical troupe, the Folk Singers in Hell, uh, joined in on the conversation. Uh, run it now. Say this for the record. Yeah. That first interview with T.J. Miller, who is a great guy, by the way, amazing guy. Yeah. Uh, it went just fine without some stupid pre-interview. Well, yeah, but you don't know how good it could have been if our staff had done the pre-interview. I mean, that's an open question. Sure, your interview was pretty good, but maybe it would have been the best interview in the history of the show if we'd run the questions by yeah, him but, first. <laughs> but doing it ensures there is no spontaneity, no mystery. And the man said he was just fine bypassing it. Well, listen, Spud, show business is about creating the illusion of reality, not reality itself. But that's like discussing the specifics of a sexual encounter before you actually have it with someone. It takes the fun out of it, man. Spud on this one, you are right. No one wants pre-planned sex unless they are horribly uptight. So please tell his flunky Gerald to go fly a kite. Well, you know, the reason our executive producer has asked that we implement this practice is to take the risk out of our celebrity interview. Good. If, if you just agree to do this every interview, it will be amazing, as your guests will be talking about things that they're prepared to discuss. There'll be no awkward pauses, no moments of disbelief that you would ask such a stupid question. But that's the essence of my career. I don't want my guests to be bored on the phone waiting to be asked by an intern what questions are mm. okay to ask. I mean, come on. And then rehearse a response with them? That is so lame. That's but. You're looking at this from the wrong angle. Do you think a network comedy show goes on the air without rehearsing the material? They start with the table read and then have ongoing rehearsals the week before the cameras. It, nothing is left to chance. But, but we're not a network comedy show. No. We're not even a cable TV show anymore after so many years. Right now, we're just a dinky little radio show with an occasional morsel of humor that will be less frequent now with this dumb practice. Seriously. But just give it a try. We have a few seconds before our next guest, Whitney Cummings. Maybe our interns could quickly quickly call her up, run a few questions by her before we start the interview. I, I, I can stall here a little bit while no. we get Whitney on the no, phone. No, no, I will not be having Whitney Cummings undergo a pre-interview before I have a conversation with her. Gee, she's been on the show before. It's she knows the show. Let's see if she's already on the line holding. I, actually, you know what they are telling me? Yeah, she is holding for you right now. But like no, I said, no, I can stall. Whitney through right now, please. All right. Uh, at least I tried. Before we run the interview with Whitney, uh, let me say that thank God I didn't let our interns call her up right before I spoke with her, you know, to do a stupid pre-interview. It would have been so bushling to have done that. I wasn't on the show then, but if I was literally forced to speak with a guest like Whitney before the show, I'm pretty confident I could have made your interview a whole lot better with her. I kind of have this knack. Hmm. My mom calls it my gift of insight with others. She thinks I should be a psychologist one day. Really? Well, I, you would be a great psychologist, babe. Yes. Mm. Uh, whatever I can do to help you in that journey, let me know. Yeah. I don't know about doing that now as I'm pretty busy with my online video games. I'm really killing it at Call of Duty these days. No one can touch me. Yeah, it's nice to know, Chance. And now let's just run the damn interview with Whitney Cummings, please. Please say hello to comedian, actress, producer, and writer Whitney Cummings. Welcome back to the Spud Goodman Show. Hi, thank you. All right, super. Well, currently you're out on your stand-up tour, but the show that you uh, co-created with Michael Patrick King, Two Broke Girls on CBS, is still going strong. Will the girls' financial prospects pick up a bit in the next season, your fifth, as as the economy seems to have improved a little bit? Will maybe like will Brooklyn hop on the fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage thing, or will that screw up the? <laughs> That's a good idea. I actually might use that. Um, you know, I think the idea, you know, is that the girls, you know start to make money and be successful sort of in real time. You know, I think the reason we wanted to make a show about girls in their 20s without money is because that's, that's the experience. That's the truth. You know, I didn't really get my life together until I was like 30, you know, so we just want to do it as honestly as possible. We didn't want to make a sitcom where, you know, like I love friends, but they worked in a coffee shop and they lived in this huge, gorgeous high rise in New York. It just didn't feel real. So yeah. we kind of just, yeah, we'll figure out what feels real and what feels honest. But living in New York is expensive, and no matter how much money you have, you're kind of going to be broke. So we want to just keep it real and, you know, keep it authentic. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think 15 bucks is going to get you real far in Brooklyn with rents, but yeah. Uh, well, let, let's talk about the uh, the fifth season. I mean, that, you're you're going to the fifth season. That's like tougher than winning the Triple Crown these days in network television. Oh, God. Um, that's so nice. Yeah, I mean, I think we got lucky, you know, because uh, with the timing, because it seems like television is sort of moving towards the Internet and Netflix and a multicam show. You know, yeah, especially given the fact that a lot of people are not making multicams anymore um, with a live studio audience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I feel super grateful that it resonated. You know, I think that we, you know, did a good job of being honest and, and, ref- and sort of reflecting what it's really like when you're in your 20s. And we just never sold out. And I think uh, the audience appreciated that and, and stayed loyal to us. Right. Well, uh, Whitney, excuse me for one second. What do you want? Sitting there raising your hand while I'm talking to her is distracting. So there's some symmetry going on here as Whitney produces a show called Two Broke Girls, and here you and I are two broke guys. That's pretty funny, huh? I don't find any humor in my current financial situation as it's very stressful. And you, with your second job selling carpet and linoleum, you should be doing fine. Actually, it's my first job, as it pays the bills, you know. This co-host gig basically covers our cable and lawn service. Well, at least you have money before you blow it all. If you manage your money efficiently, you wouldn't be broke all the time. Well, I, I hate to blame the wife, but she has a serious Hummel collection habit. She, she can't stop buying them, and I'll tell you, they aren't cheap. I don't even know what the hell Hummels are, but that's nice to know. Can I return to my conversation with Whitney now? Oh, absolutely. Sorry about that, Whitney. Uh, where did I leave off? Oh, yeah. Hey, you are the executive producer, and I was just curious, do you find yourself sending notes to everyone, even like the grips and craft services people, because you can? Because I'm guessing you received <laughs> more than enough of those from the NBC suits when you start in your own sitcom, Whitney. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, no, I mean, the good news, I would if I could, but we have such a great crew, and everyone's so good at their job that there's really nothing I can say, unfortunately. Oh. But, um you know, I like to just stick to the writing part. I know my strengths, and I know my weaknesses, and uh, I like to just stick with the dirty jokes. All right, all right. Um, but if the mood moves you, you actually could do it. That's kind of cool. There's how I'd say that. So, all right. Um, so you did a comedy special, I Love You, now out on Comedy Central Records, and it can be found on iTunes right now. When I was growing right. up, the comedy album was a really big part of my entertainment world, but with the multiple platforms now available, it's kind of a challenge now, isn't it, to make an impact with the release? Yeah, I mean, I think now, yes, the answer is yes. And I think now you have to be a little more patient with the long-term game. It's not like, you know, even movies, like you come out, it's, 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 a, it's a, um, almost a holding pattern, you know? It's like people will find something on Netflix or iTunes in a year and get into it, you know? So the, the goal isn't necessarily anymore to make a huge splash right now. It's over the next couple of years, people will find it and... You know, like that show, The Comeback, on HBO. Mm-hmm. It was on the air, you know, nine years ago, and they just picked it up for a second season this year, you know, because people discovered it. So I think it's just more of a long-term game plan than an immediate splash. But right. the answer is yes. This is a terrible business right now. Yeah, <laughs> I hear that. Well, as as a woman in stand-up, do you think that uh, they're judged differently than men? Is the hot, is the bar higher, or are there other elements that men don't have to deal with? Bes- you know, besides wardrobe and grooming, is all they have to do is throw on some raggedy t-shirt and a baseball cap, you know, before hitting the stage? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think I've, I've been asked this question for 10 years, and I still don't have a good answer, because I think the answer is, um, you know, I... I you know, here's the thing. It's, it's, I think it's a really um, great time for women in comedy right now. It's like with Amy Schumer and Chelsea Handler and, you know, it's like it, Tina Fey and Maya Rudolph and, and Amy Poehler. I mean, this is a good time. I think people get it. When I started, when I got on stage, people kind of groan like, oh, there's a woman coming on stage. Whereas now I think people get excited. So I think it's a great time to be a woman in comedy. I mean, there is always going to be the biological impulse to evaluate um, female comedians on a physical level. So you still see people saying, oh, she's pretty or she's not pretty. I mean, that's really, I think, what it boils down to now is uh, people needing to talk about our appearance, you know, which, you know, because they're like, oh, she's pretty, Chelsea's pretty, you know, Tina Fey's pretty. It's like, we don't need that. We don't care. (laughs) That's not what we're trying to make you think about us. But there's still that. That's just a biological impulse that we're humans, you know? Yeah, and I was just thinking, there's there's a whole, not a whole lot of hot male comedians actually out there working. I just thought I just crossed I my mind. I know, no one is saying, no one's 
you know, criticizing, you know, the one of those critics said that Melissa McCarthy, they criticized her. You know, no one's saying that about Kevin James. No one criticizes men's uh, appearance. You're exactly right. So Thank I think that gets frustrating sometimes. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something that I, because I, I talk about it in my stand-up. You know, my solution to anything that's frustrating is just to talk about it. You know, so... All right. Well, I got to say thank God on that one for as a, as a guy. I just want to say that. But anyway, all right. Uh, <laughs> um, it, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Excuse me one more time, Whitney. What? Well, I just wanted to mention to you that I may have overlooked Anthony Jeselnik. He, he's pretty hot. Or, or maybe Andy Kindler, as he's got that male librarian look going on. You interrupted me to pass on that observation? Well, I'm just saying, you might have been a little quick to make the assessment that there aren't any hot male comedians out there. I beg to differ. Okay, point taken. May I return to my conversation with Whitney as I have to wrap this thing up? Uh, oh, and oh, how about Bill Bellamy? He's been a guest on this show a few times, and he is very handsome. Okay, okay, point taken. I may have misspoken. Now just put some duct tape over the mouth until I'm done here. Okay, fine. So what, what female comedian had the most impact on your career? Does anyone jump out? I'm, I'm, I'm sure you Yeah, I think probably uh, Roseanne Barr. Um, I loved Roseanne um, and grew up watching her show because she was, you know, I feel like the first female comedian that I saw who said, I'm poor and, you know, didn't have money. And that's how I grew up. So watching Roseanne, I was like, oh, my God, like, that's my life. So she's the first person I really, you know, connected to and... Um, and then, you know, I've gotten lucky enough to have met her over the years, and, you know, she's so awesome. But, yeah, definitely Roseanne Barr. And I also loved comedic actresses like Shelley Long I was obsessed with um, and Bette Midler. So there's a ton. Okay. Well, relationships are a big part of your act, uh, and you know, and I'm just curious, what's your take on marriage? Do you think that these days the institution has like an ex expiration date or a fairly certain shelf life? You know, I've had a few failures myself. I'm just curious on your take. Well, I joke, you know, I say it's, it's, they call it an institution because it's for crazy people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, it depends. I mean, I think that there's much people there. I've sort of been somewhat against it because for so long, you know, I was influenced by divorce. You know, I grew up, I saw three divorces by the time I was 16. So I just thought, yeah. you get married, you get divorced. Like, it, you know. I didn't think you don't get married. I just think when you get married, only expect it to last five years, you know? So I think I've kind of had a, a revised uh, take on it, which is that it doesn't have to last forever. You know, we have, we don't expect our cars to last forever. We don't stay in the same house our whole lives. You know, I, I, when I hear someone was married for eight years, I think of that as a success, you know? Um, Thank you. Because mar marriage was invented before, when the life expectancy was 30. Now we're living to be a hundred, you know, so it's, it's, we have to sort of evolve our, um, sort of expectations and stuff and, and be, we're so hard on ourselves, you know, when people end relationships or go through divorces and they feel so bad. I'm like, what, 10 years? That's, that's awesome. Celebrate that. That's a success. That's not a failure. Yeah, ex exactly. You know, one of the reasons I heard is that guys are not just me, but tend to lose their sense of hearing like after five to 10 years. We don't listen as well, or that's what I've been told, and it's a deal breaker. I don't know. I, that's just something that's been brought up, but I, I'll move on. I'll move on here. Uh, last question, because I know you're busy here. Um, and this is kind of trite and cliche and to the 10th power, but I'm told by my executive producer that people love hearing this answer. So, what has been your most memorable moment in showbiz to this point? Oh, that's a great point. Uh, a great question, actually. Um, God, I have so many. I feel like every day some weird miracle happens. You know, I have to say, like, every time I go on stage and perform an hour, I get excited, you know, because that was my dream. But I think probably doing the roast of Joan Rivers when I, that's for great. the first time, met, met Joan Rivers. And she was so great she she afterwards she gave me a huge hug and she was like you've got it you got it like you're gonna do this like you're gonna make it and i remember she kind of convinced me that to have self-esteem you know i was like if joan rivers believes in me i think i should probably believe in myself you know so that was a really big moment for me and i've just met so many amazing i got to work with sydney pollack before he died oh. that cool. was pretty amazing yeah. in some movie called made of honor um, I feel really lucky. I've had so many of those moments. 
Well, super. Well, um, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to call in. Okay? Thank you, thank you. Whitney Cummings. Love makes you think about doing things you never thought you'd do before, you know? Like getting married. This last relationship, I thought I was going to get married. For me, I never thought I was going to get married because I have all this divorce in my family, you know? But I also think when you get older as a woman, marriage just becomes a little more appealing because marriage is set up for girls as an offer that you just cannot refuse. You know, if someone came up to me on the street randomly and marriage as an institution did not exist and someone was just like, excuse me, ma'am, hi, um, would you be interested in a beautiful diamond ring and a bunch of parties where your friends will buy you whatever the f*** you want and then you get to move into somebody else's house and get on their health insurance plan and then if they cheat on you, you get half their s*** no questions asked. Would you be interested in that? Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. How do I get all that Well, you just have to have sex with the same man for the rest of your life. Oh. You know what, it, I have Tylenol PM, let's do this Where do I sign up? You know, I really would have liked the opportunity to have jumped in your conversation with Whitney. I had a couple of really good questions to ask her, but you once again blocked me from participating in your interview with her. You still managed to throw off my rhythm by interrupting me in the middle of it, though. Uh, You know, that policy that allowed you to pop in with any random thoughts, you know, to me while I'm in the middle of a conversation with a celebrity guest was a poorly thought out decision by our executive producer, Lori. Uh, And over the years, I I tried to make the best of it, but I can't tell you how many interviews you messed up by butting in and sharing your dumbass thoughts with me. I didn't. Yeah, I was always surprised Gerald was allowed to cut in and dump his stupid comments in the middle of a celebrity interview. At least he wasn't allowed to speak directly with your guests. That would have been a disaster. No, Chance, Um, you're off base with that statement. I am a highly skilled interviewer who knows how successful our radio show could have been if I was given the green light to connect with our guests, you know, with one of my signature insightful questions. Well, like Chance just said, that would not have gone well. It's the truth, Gerald. You just rub, rub people the wrong way. No guest would have ever agreed to return to this show after being asked one of your signature insightful questions. Uh, yes, that is for sure. Uh, now, well, let's move on right now uh, uh, to the clip of the week segment. They, you know, we used to do those all the time. I, I, I always enjoyed them. This one features a 2016 presidential candidate uh, named Donald uh, Trump as his campaign was underway at, at this time. Uh, Dave, roll it. It's clip of the week time. And we haven't done one of these for a while, but I couldn't pass this one up. It, it deals with Donald Trump's secret plan, his his blueprint to eradicate the problems in the Middle East and to wipe out ISIS. Now, you may ask, why would anyone listen to a failed developer who has filed for bankruptcy like four times? A guy who's never served a day in any service branch and who hasn't even mowed a lawn in his life. Well, now he's come up with a plan. So amazing, it's going to clean up the current mess in that sandy part of the world. You need to know, though, Donald is very concerned. If he shares his secret now before he's president, someone else might get credit. And I guess I can understand his thought process because, I mean, if I came up with a cure for cancer, I'd be a little paranoid that it would get out before I leveraged it to maximum potential, you know, before I got a Us or People magazine cover story. Anyway, so here's the Donald, or should I say, the big tease. You know, every time I say it, I get criticized, but at some point I'll have to reveal it. But there is a way of beating ISIS so easily, so quickly, so effectively, and it would be so nice. The problem I have is that every time I watch Obama talking about exactly what our next move is going to be, how we're going to attack this place or that place, I'll have a hamburger, for which I will gladly pay you Tuesday. So... I know a way that would absolutely give us guaranteed victory. I'm going to say it, I guess I'll be forced to say it sometime, but I hate to say it. Because as soon as you say it, 
They're going to be just, you know, it's it's a, it's an idea that, in my opinion, is foolproof. I didn't always lie. No, I, I used to tell the truth. So no, I'm not no. talking about dropping the big duke. I'm talking about something that would be unbelievable as an idea. Problem is, then everybody's going to take the idea, run with it, and number one, people forget where it came from. Yeah, that's what happened. Have you run that idea past any generals, any SEALs, anybody uh, with, with military experience? Yes, I, I ran it past two or three people. Okay. And, uh, they love that, it. They, all right, so that simple. One. It's like the paperclip. You know, somebody came up with the idea of the paperclip and made a lot of money. They sure and everybody's did. saying, boy, why didn't I think of that? That was so simple. This is so simple, so surgical, it would be an unbelievable thing. Blah, blah, blah. Now... You know, I've been around saying this. You would think somebody from the administration at least would call me and say, hey, could you tell us what it is? <laughs> it happens to be a great idea. But at the right time, I guess I'll give it. All right. I hate to give it in one way because, you know, if I ran and won, I'd, I'd hate like hell to have this idea. Because once you give it, it, it really ceases to be. No, you, I... lose, you lose the surprise. You stupid, ignorant son of a bitch, dumb bastard! We have leadership. They're, they're all a bunch of clowns. It is so exhilarating to look back and hear such a genius like Donald J. Trump. I'm a very stable genius. Share with the world just one of his amazing ideas. Ideas that, thank the Lord, he later was able to make happen as the greatest president in world history. I am counting the days until he returns to the White House. It could happen even before the 24 election. I, I mean, it's a possibility. What? Are you high, Gerald? I think he meant after Trump gets paroled, you know, like in his mid-90s. So let's just move on to the wrap-up of the pre-interview episode. If I remember right, I, I kind of got into it, you know, with management live on the air. Uh, Dave, hit it. So, uh, Spud, Lori, our executive producer, is on the line. She says she wants to speak with you on the I air. Can't just wait until I'm off the air? We both know you won't speak to her after we sign off. You never answer your phone. Well, She's kind of mad. I, she needs to speak I'm running, to you right we're now. We're running late. We're running late. I can't, I can't, I can't stop her. I, well, listen, I, I was just told to put her through. I'm going to put her through like Am I, I on told. the air? Yes, you are, Ms. Madsen. Hey, we're running late here. we got to move. Okay, what do you want? So what do you this want? This is how it's going to be, Spud. I clearly told you in that memo that we're going to try and now implement that policy, and you just ignore it? Yeah, basically. Well... That's not just insubordination, but it's grounds for dismissal. I have told you repeatedly about the consequences for ignoring my directives on the show. Spud, no way you can punk out on this stand. And if you do, you'll be known as a little bitch throughout the land. So be a man and not just a hired hand. Look, look, this is the Spud Goodman Show. Good luck getting rid of me. I am irreplaceable. I mean, you can rag on me all you want, and I will now utilize the well-worn cliche number three, I believe, on the list of, of those dearly need, that need retirement. I'm, I guess I'm referring to at the end of the day. Yeah, I just said it after swearing never to utter it on the air. Anyway, there's nothing you can do to me. There's nothing you can do to me. If you want to cancel the show, go ahead. It's summer, and I was thinking about learning how to get up on one ski for sure this okay. year at the lake and spend a lifelong dream. And, you know. Okay, I could care less about your water skiing dreams, Spud. This is serious. I not only have one bullet in my gun canceling your show, and that's going to affect a lot of innocent victims, and yes, I do care about them. All I ask is that you well, try and follow the rules. No, look, at I, least on I, I will one. trade you. I'll trade you. How about I follow your dumbass rule about pre-interviewing guests, and you let me host the show by myself? I mean, this is 2015. Who needs a co-host anymore? Those went out with black and white TVs. Well, I'd have to disagree with that statement. The, the role of a co-host is an honored and highly respected position in the talk show industry. Don't worry, Gerald. There's no chance in hell I'll ever let this human lawsuit waiting to happen host any show without adult supervision. Yeah. If it isn't you, it's going to be somebody else to babysit him until I find somebody out there with talent who's actually willing to work with a creep. Your job is secure, and I will discuss this further off the air at tomorrow's staff Yeah, whatever. Meeting, which, guess... by the way, is mandatory. Yeah, Goodbye. Whatever. All right. Oh. All right. Well, um, I, 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 by the way, I'll be there early in case you want to discuss anything else. If you're listening on the radio right now, thank you. Yeah, whatever. You know, I think I'm just going to end this show right now, right? And I'm going bowling, by the way, afterwards. That's how I'm going to unwind tonight. I have a lot of stress I need to unrelease on those pins. 
Man, you were such a kiss ass with management, Gerald. I mean, you, you're lucky none of us in a fit of rage on the old radio show didn't just lock you up in a storage closet for a few weeks. You just provoked the worst tendencies in people. <laughs> I won't say that I would have put Gerald's health in danger by holding him hostage in some closet, but there were moments where I was tempted to take out my frustrations with him by maybe keying his car. What? How, how can you guys speak like that? That That is very hurtful to hear. Well, it is what it is, Gerald. Yeah, well, then just, everybody just zip it while I end this little podcast episode. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. You know, I always knew my skills and talent were threatening to others around me in my life, but I never, for the life of me, would have ever imagined someone I work with would want to key my car. What can I say? You annoy me, Gerald. Oh, Chance, let it go, babe. What do you say we stop on the way home to get some frozen yogurt? That would be awesome, Dorothy. Where where are you guys going to stop at? I I would love some frozen yogurt myself. Uh, hey, dude, I think they just left out the side door. Oh. Uh, just, just just, Google the frozen yogurt places around, you know, the area and drop by a few and just, you know, see if they're there. Yeah, anyway. All right, I got to go now. Later. You've been listening to the Spud Goodman Radio Show, a portentous harbinger of what the Internet of Things has in store for us all. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. The executive producer is Lori Madsen. Video director is TJ Pites. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Spud's Greek chorus is the folk singers in hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2015 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking. Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast, copyright 2023 Spud Goodman Productions.